When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. We appreciate you all listening. As always, I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow my nice co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, at DC Natchak and at Half Shack Cap. And you can follow OPT, our digital media coordinator, at One Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor Monty at M. Davis Taylor, and the show at Half Street High Heat. How y'all doing? Amanda, that was very nice of you to call us nice. And may I say that was a very nice intro as well. Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. I, I, tried, I did try my best to be nice whenever I can be nice. Oh, that's really sweet. So did you guys have a nice week? I had a really nice week. Yeah, tell us about. <laughs> can we get it? Can we get a fish tank update? I feel uh, like that's where we need to always start. Oh God! So, fish tank is getting there. Thankfully, it's, how is it not there yet? Jesus it's, Christ! <laughs> it's getting there. So it's cycling quicker than normal. So that's very good news. Very nice news to get. Um, meaning, you know. Uh, like cycling, the uh, ammonia level and nitrate levels rise and in, in, in differ and all that stuff. So if you don't have very hardy fish that like can survive the, you know, constant changing of the, the water, chemicals, whatever, uh, then they're not going to do well. The, the fish I have in there now are hardy, so that's why they're in there now. But it's almost completely cycled, so I can put fish in there soon. So I did, uh, again, we have a quarantine tank. So I got my angelfish, 
which is nice uh, mm-hmm. because that those are the fish I wanted. I got they're not babies, but they're they're like adolescents. I wanted to skip you know the terrible twos and all that stuff. I want to go right mm-hmm. for the adolescent. Not the adolescent teenagers are are much better, but I, I wanted to skip uh, you know. No, teenagers are not for the faint-hearted. I can right. Say. Yeah, I wanted to skip the diaper phase and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I got my angelfish in my quarantine tank. They're doing pretty well. But all right, so here's what the story gets good. So like they have this website where you plug in all the fish, and it tells you based on your tank size and how big the fish gets, like how many fish or what percentage capacity you're at. And you don't want to get to 100. You want some breathing room and whatnot. So like. I entered in all the fish I was going to get and the ones I have and all that stuff. And I was at 87%. So I was like, all right, cool. So I got the the secondary fish, right? So I have my, my catfish right now. I have my angelfish and then I had enough room for secondary fish. So I got my secondary fish and I, and whatnot and they're hardy fish. So I put them directly in the tank. They're doing fine. And then get up the next morning. They're freaking attacking each other. Like, mm. the, and I'm like what happened to Bonnie and Clyde? honestly honestly. so it's just like and they're um so as like you see with some animals the males are more colorful than the females so and for like uh consumers obviously they want the pretty fish so all the pet stores of course only sell sell males so that was the problem i had too many males and you know they're trying to flex for all the females Mm -hmm. that weren't in my tank so they're just like attacking. The imaginary female. Right, right. So uh, <laughs> just like attacking each other. And I'm like going t- from store to store to try to find females. No one sells females. I'm like, what the hell? So this was my day on Saturday. I went to, uh, let's see, where did I start? Drove to Chantel, or, or yeah, Centerville to get my angelfish because they were the only ones that had I wanted, or the only ones that had what I wanted. So then I drove back. And then found out, you know, my secondary fish were fighting each other. So then I went to PetSmart to return them, Petco to return them, because I got them from two different places. Uh, <laughs> turned out I, the Petco I went to wouldn't take them because it was a different Petco from the bottom. So then I went back to the Petco in Annandale, returned them, and then I went to PetSmart to return something else. And then I went back to Petco, and then had to go back to Annandale. It was just a mess. I literally went everywhere twice on saturday so i'm getting really tired <laughs> of the tank and now i don't know what yeah. secondary fish I, i'm gonna get so i'm gonna have like a really big tank with only a few fish but at this point i'm just gonna take it because it's getting old oh i got it but i did Sorry, get go ahead. i got a secondary a, a second snail to help clean oh. the tank and i must say they're doing a very good job they're keeping the algae levels down and my pleco is doing a great job he's growing big his name is roscoe his name is roscoe the pleco Roscoe Dash, what's up? Yeah, um, R-O-C-O-E, Mr. Shorty put it on, please. Um, but he he's uh, getting a I'll little more. I'll be going ham. <laughs> Upgrade from baloney. Um, yeah, I got to say, I have had fish tanks in the past, and, like, I just filled them up with water and went to Walmart and got some fish and threw them up in there and never had any problems. This seems like an immense amount of work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my update. Uh, <laughs> did you do anything else this week besides drive around and no, take no. buy fish and then take them back or was that no. the whole thing i mean there wasn't any quality baseball being played in the dc area so I decided well that's for to, damn sure i decided to fill it up with uh fish escapades fish capades yeah fish capades if you will i will 
I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> That's very nice of you. <laughs> can we can we get a fan update? Yeah, so um, I don't really know what I did this week. Um, <laughs> I also like, don't really know what day it is. But Finn went on a nice little date today. It was pretty nice. Wow. Um, so a I got date. Yeah. So I got him. I got him a little stuffed animal. Um, when we got him, he started teething and he was just like chewing on everything, particularly me, and it kind of hurt. So I was over it. So I just got him like a stuffed animal, just so he can like latch onto that and just like bite and tear into it. Well, lately he's been taking it with him everywhere he goes, and it's actually really cute. So today he was running around with it in his mouth and he like brought it to its food dish. So they got, you know, dinner, um, took him to the kitty litter. He made sure that she went to the bathroom. She or he um, went to the bathroom um, and then <laughs> stood in the corner facing the wall for a good five minutes with the stuffed animal in his mouth. <laughs> no idea what they're doing. I guess conversation was just really flowing. But uh, yeah, sounds Finn... a little Blair Witch Project or something <laughs> to me. I don't know. Finn went on a really nice date um, with uh, his animal that he chews to pieces. Yeah, yeah. What kind of what kind of stuffed animal is it? Is it a cat? Uh, technically, yeah, because it's a little tiger. Oh, okay. <laughs> I dig it. A cougar, if you will. <laughs> Okay. I said I would with it. Yeah, I won't with that. <laughs> so that was it. Nothing else this week? Um, oh, we had a fantasy football draft. Yeah, we had a fantasy football draft. Um, I have to <laughs> – so I was, like, trying to figure something out with Finn, and I got, like, this web page result. And I was like, do a mental evaluation for your cat. And I was like, what is this? So I clicked <laughs> on it, Mental right? evaluation for your cat. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It was talking about all, like – all these things normal cats do, Finn doesn't do. <laughs> so, like, I got a special guy here. Did and you like, have to enter your social security number and <laughs> bank account information as well? No. So, like, when we first got him, he didn't know how to land. He, like, wouldn't put his feet out. And I was like, well, you know, he's a little baby. He's learning. But, like, I'll put him over the bed, and he, like, won't put his feet out. And the normal cat's supposed to put their feet out. And that's one of the tests. And I'm like, oh, You no. truly are a parent now, like, looking up whether your kid has hit the correct milestones at the right time. Like, yeah, like, is my cat on the spectrum? Yes or no? <laughs> well, like, I have to take him to the vet on Wednesday to get, like, his 16-week shot. So I'm going to, like, bring it up, like, hey, he, <laughs> He doesn't stick his paws out when he's going to land. Like, oh, my God. What's going on here? Yeah, he, he meows really loudly when he poops. Is that no. normal? We we got, we got that taken care of. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, his foster home was feeding him the wrong food, and we got that taken care of. Yeah, everyone's eating the wrong thing and then had painful defecation. So <laughs> Just screaming wow. bloody murder while they defecate. <laughs> this, this, took a, this took a dark turn. You're at the know, office. This is, just, ah! this is not not nice. I don't like it. Not nice. All right. Well, on that note, um, all I did this week was work, so I have nothing, <laughs> nothing fun to contribute. That's not I nice. am going to the beach. To we rented a little beach house for like four days down at Ocean City. So I'm like, nothing's open. You can't go to the restaurants. You can't go do any of the things you normally do at the beach. But if I don't get my kids out of this damn house for a while, we're all going to kill each other. So 
having all the seven people stuck in the house with nowhere to go and nothing to do all the time is uh, wearing on us. So, and uh, my little ones who came to us from South Dakota have never seen the ocean. So we are very excited that we get to take oh. them to the beach for the first time. Pretty, pretty landlocked out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the land that doesn't exist. Right, exactly. The pretend land of South Dakota. So anyway, that's what we're doing next week, so I'm excited. However, um, I will be around to record if we're just, yeah, because we're doing it Sunday. I'm not leaving till Monday. So I won't have to miss a recording for my short vacation, but nice. 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 Anyway, yeah, so none of us did anything interesting this week at all, it sounds like. So that's cool. I'll speak for yourself, but yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you consider driving back and forth to every Petco in the Northern Virginia area to be interesting. I'm still a PTSD from it. <laughs> All right. So why don't we have our Week in Review? We can talk a little bit about baseball since this is ostensibly a baseball podcast. That's a big word. Yeah, that – I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> it was a very – nice. <laughs> nice. It was a rather nice week in baseball, but not really. There's a lot of stuff that went down. Um, Jeff Passan did report this week that Major League Baseball is finalizing their playoff bubble plan. AL will play their games in San Diego and Los Angeles, and the National League will play its games in Houston and Arlington, with the World Series being in the Rangers' nice new grail of a stadium. The Mets appear to have new owners in Steve Cohen for the low price of $2 billion. Major League Baseball and Mets bankers helped create a bidding war that wasn't just so they could get a nice $2 billion safety net in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, reports are coming out that the league was not going to give A-Rod the team for his role in using PEDs as well as suing the league. So instead, they gave it to someone who's escaped the FBI numerous times from going to jail for insider trading. Great guy all around. Martha Stewart's buying the Mets? <laughs> uh, two Mariners and A's games were postponed this week because of the A's having a player test positive. That was the first American League player to test positive this season. And will be laid out its plans for what the minor league system is going to look like in 2021 and beyond. If adopted, there would be 120 teams, eliminating most rookie levels. Major League Baseball would have total governance, excuse me, big words, and MLB is proposing what they call the Baseball Cup. Modeled exclusively after the FA Cup in the Premier League, it's a tournament that would put Major League Baseball teams and minor league teams against each other throughout the season in a round-robin type tournament. To the National League East, our first place are the 19 and 14 Braves. They lost 2-3 to the Phillies and almost blew a 10-0 lead. And second place are the 16 and 15 Marlins, who just keep on hanging in there. Uh, they did go 4-0 against the Mets this week, but they dropped 2-3 to the Rays, which everyone's doing nowadays. And third place are the 15 and 15 Phillies, who are winners of six of their last seven. They took two against the Nats last week, and they just took one against the Nats tonight. And fourth place are the Mets. And we have a keeping up with the Mets. On Thursday, <laughs> on Thursday, games across the league were postponed as players made powerful statements about racial injustice in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting. Before the Mets game, 
GM Brody Van Wagenen was caught on a hot mic ripping Manfred in a plan where Manfred asked the Mets to stand on the field together at 7-10, walk off, and come back out at 8-10 to play the game. BVW ripped him and said, Manfred just doesn't get it. The guys don't want to play. From a social level, he does not understand. 7-10 came around. The Mets did walk off the field in a beautiful moment, but they did not come back out. However, after the game, both Wilpons released statements where they said it was their idea to come back out at 8-10. It was not Rob Manfred's, and they said this because it would be a logistic nightmare to reschedule that game, and they condemned BVW for his comments. There's only one issue. Both Wilpons misspelled their own GM's name in their so official fun. press release. <laughs> you cannot make it up with the Mets. They just... They do not change. Um, in last place and fifth place are the 12 and 20 Washington Nationals who lost four or five this week. They dropped two or three to the 10 and 21 Red Sox, and they lost tonight to the Phillies. They did sign Brock Holt, though. So, hey, I guess that's nice. Um, this has been your week in review. Please donate to the GoFundMe for Jacob Blake. Help support his medical bills and help his kids during this time. And please take time out of your day to read, learn, donate, and educate yourself to help organizations and causes that are helping to fight end racial inequality in this country. This has been your week in review. Brought to you in part by Chili's. So the misspelling of the name, I was just like in hysterics. And then they both did it. And yeah. Oh, that was 100% intentional because my man is – 100%. It's not like they don't know how to spell the man's name for Christ's sake. Like the fact that it was an official press release also, those things get read over a lot. And the yeah. fact that like his job is kind of out there, like he doesn't really have job security right now. And they're like, no. let's go misspell oh, his name. It was name. so <laughs> passive aggressive. I just loved it so much. It's like it's – just, it's just peak – Mets. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe that. Well, and I, somebody had said that on Twitter or something about, is this peak Mets? And I responded to it and said, that's the magic of the Mets. There is no peak Mets. <laughs> <laughs> they can always go further. There's no such thing as peak Mets. And with BB Dubs, I mean, if you look back at his track record, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't spell his name right. Um, I don't know when exactly he took over. But if you just think back to the Mets, you know, transactions, their moves over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of swing and misses. I, I would say the only good one is extending DeGrom and not only that, extending him for a lot less than what he would have gotten on the open market, especially yeah. this past offseason. So that's a big win because obviously DeGrom best, arguably the best pitcher in the game. But everything else, especially when you're, quote-unquote, trying to build a contender, almost everything else has been a swing and miss. And their highlight of this trade deadline, which we'll get to in a second, I don't want to steal Ryan's thunder, they traded for Todd Frazier. So, you know, still not <laughs> doing all that great. No, no. But at least they did something. That is true. They did not stand Which past. could segue us into talking about um, what our Nats did. But before we do that, let's talk about the trade deadline itself and who did get into some stuff. Um, Ryan, I know you have uh, made, your, made us a list to kind of go over for us. Oh, I Padres wagon, baby. love 
trades so much. I love oh, trades trade so deadlines are amazing. And They're also, amazing. Like, They're so much fun. This trade deadline was pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. A lot, a lot better, down. A lot better than I thought it was gonna be. A heck of a lot better than I thought. Um, I thought the reports that it was gonna be active were a joke, but in case you guys missed them, it's all right. I got it all right here. So this week. Well, today, in the weekend, we saw the Reds acquired Brian Goodwin and Archie Bradley. The Mets acquired at the last minute uh, Robinson, Torinos, Todd Frazier, and Miguel Castro. The Cubs acquired Osich. I did not get his first name. I do apologize to you, sir. And Andrew Chafin. The Rockies acquired Kevin Pillar from the Red Sox. The Phillies acquired David Phelps, which is their third bullpen move. The Marlins, in a very shocking manner, went out and got the best hitter on the market they've got uh starlin Marte. the blue jays were extremely busy they acquired jonathan vr from the marlins taiwan walker robbie ray daniel vogelbach and ross stripling the a's acquired mike minor the jokes kind of write themselves with that because he's now playing with mike fires mm -hmm. um and the padres went all in yeah <clears throat> they acquired mike clevenger mitch moreland austin nola jason castro Austin Adams, Dan Altavilla, Trevor Rosenthal, and Greg Allen. Padres freaking went for it. And what was a very, very fun trade deadline this year? I didn't. Yeah, it, the uh, Padres just took all the all of them from everyone. Nobody else gets anybody. It's but I love it. I mean, if you take the Padres out of the equation, the the trade deadline's like meh. Like, what's the biggest name that moved? Taiwan Marte. Oh, Marte, Marte. Yeah. You know, it's wild. What's that? So they acquired. Nine players. They still have the second-best farm system in baseball. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Like, in the Clevenger trade, because obviously that was the big one, they gave up one real prospect. Um, I can't – his name is escaping me. But they kind of gave up – like, it was more of, like, quantity over quality in a sense. I mean, they traded, what, six guys to Cleveland, five, six guys to the Cleveland. I mean, they got three back, two, two prospects in addition to Clevenger. But, I mean – it was definitely quantity over quality. I mean, they gave up better players in the Austin Nola deal, which, I mean, Austin Nola is still young, controllable, and, and he's a catcher, which is a premier position. It's hard to find a good catcher. But, like, I mean, Mike Clevenger is established. He's one of the best pitchers in the game. Like, there's just no arguing that. I, as, as a person, he kind of sucks. But, uh, I mean, the talent speaks for itself. So the Padres, hell of a job, hell of a job. Yeah, indeed, and the Clevenger thing was very interesting after what happened, you know, in Cleveland to see they just shipped his ass out of there. I was just like, well, Ryan, well the players, I was the gonna players say, forced their hand. Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan Ryan made a good point. Like, the player, it's wild that the players got Clevenger traded. Yeah. Well, they won't play with a guy anymore. I mean, who can blame them? Yep. Who could blame them? Yeah, so it was a lot more active than I was sort of expecting for a lot of teams. The Nats were not one of those teams and my favorite part was Rizzo saying what was the exact quote like I'm I'm confident going into a pennant race with the guys we have and I was just I'm like confident going to pennant sir race first of all you are not in a pennant race Will Crow, 12 and 20 Seth, Seth Romero um we're confident <laughs> the guys we have you know it's just like I've, I have a lot of thoughts on them in the deadline they were Mike Rizzo specifically was in a very interesting position he doesn't have a contract at the end of the season. Right. So he either had to act like his life is on the line and appeal to other teams and go straight up 
all in and deplete already a very weak farm system. Or he had to consider the fact that, well, if I'm here next year and I just weaken this farm system for nothing, I'm setting myself back a little bit. It's also like, do I really want to trade guys and help the farm system if I'm not going to be here? Like, it was a very interesting spot for him. That being said, thinking about it, the worst possible outcome they could have done was stamp Pat. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I understand you were 12 and 19, and yes, you were technically, I mean, not technically, you were three games out of the eighth spot. But realistically, the eighth seed is going to be about 29 to 31 wins. If you looked at that team as a GM, how do you see, oh, yeah, we could rip off 18 to 19 wins in the last 30 games when you literally lost three series in a row to, like, not good teams. Right, they either the had Sox. To, Oh, my God. They either had to get some controllable pieces to help in the future or retool to help in the future. Like, standing pad just – it hurt. Right, it was the worst of all possible scenarios. Yeah. You didn't do anything to make yourselves better and maybe give yourself a chance to make the playoffs. Or you didn't do anything to, you know, restock the farm system or set yourself up for the future. You literally did nothing with the oldest roster in baseball and a whole bunch of expiring contracts. It just makes no sense to me at all. Right, and we were all on the boat that they should sell. But even if they bought, that's at least doing something. Like, I mean, not that – like, technically, if you traded for, like, one – if they traded for Michael Gibbons, for example, who went from Baltimore to uh, to Colorado, like that's technically buying, but that doesn't really do anything. Like if you're gonna buy, go all the way, just drain everything, go all the way, which they shouldn't have like done. Padres. But like that's at least doing something. And with Ryan's point, with the eight spot, yeah, it's gonna be 29 to 31 wins. But also, you have to think about how many teams are going to be in contention for that eighth spot like yeah when it, when it comes down to uh, you know the dog days of summer and september baseball in a normal season yeah you only have a couple teams vying for that last spot that are realistically in contention for that final playoff spot or final wild card spot but in this situation expanded playoffs everyone's in it i mean the nats are what 12 and 20 and they're only three games out like there's teams well, way better now. well four now but there's teams better than them that are closer to them, and there's more of them than there normally yeah. would be. So you have to consider that too. So, But I agree with you guys. Like Standing Pat is literally the worst possible thing for this team. However, for Rizzo, I really think it was the only move. It, it really, he, What more does he have to prove to, to earn a new contract? I don't think this – trade deadline should have you know been the determining factor on whether or not he gets a new contract no i don't think so either but i still think he should have done something i mean i I agree i agree but i i'm just saying for his future it's kind of to ryan's point like if he you know drains the farm and sets up a team that he doesn't have a future with per se like that's not really the move right but it's about more than just his future and i'm sure he's thinking about the team not just himself you know i'm not trying to say mike rizzo was selfish or whatever but it's a very like ryan said awkward position to be in like what do you do it's like a rock and a hard place and i mean again i would rather him have done something but to an extent i understand because the nats are not doing him any favors and they haven't been his entire tenure as gm it was kind of like it was kind of bad business by the learners to kind of big put time him in that spot, and it's kind of insulting. Like you, you just won the franchise's first World Series. Like you keep talking about how great your relationship is with him, you've yet to have any conversation about 
you know, his contract and the deadline comes up and the guy like Rizzo's always going to want to buy. Like that's Rizzo's thing. Rizzo that's is his, always, yeah. Yeah, that's like, his personality for which, sure. It's fine. Okay. Like sometimes, yes, it's rather delusional, but like I would take that over a GM who's just going to go, eh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll compete in 10 years. Like I will take that. Yeah. And so you that's- knew he was going to want to buy and he probably should have gone out and gotten a pitcher because both that experiment looks like it's over and Fetty is struggling big time lately. But that's a separate conversation. It was just bad business for the guy who just won you your first world series um, to not even mention the contract and kind of help him out to figure out, Hey man, like this is a pretty big trade deadline for our franchise. Um, this is a pretty big turning point. Am I going to be here? Like what, what's going to happen? Right. Like, I mean, I think about anyone in general, like if your job, like, it's hard to operate at an efficient level if you don't have that sense of security. Like, yep. I mean, no matter what your job is, right. True. No matter what your job is, if you don't have security, you're mentally, you're just, it's different. Whether you're actively, you know, saying, screw you guys, I'm not going to put in the effort. Or if you're trying to try even more or just continuing doing what you're doing, it's, it's different. And that's what Rizzo's going through right now. Now to play devil's advocate, I hate using that term. We've seen Rizzo do this before. He did this, what, two years ago? 2018. Where, yeah, yeah, two years ago when everyone was saying, and, you know, they were about 500 at that point. And I'm granted it, and also it was a, a normal season. It wasn't under the, the, the shroud of COVID. But we saw him stand pat at the deadline when everyone was saying, if you're going to buy, go all the way and buy. If you're going to sell, that's fine, sell. And ultimately, they ended up selling, but he only ended up selling people like Adams, Murphy, um, Sean Kelly, whatever, uh, after the the normal deadline and through the waiver deadline, which now doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. now, fast forward to 2020, yesterday or today, if you're um, we're today we're recording yesterday, if you're listening to this. Uh, he, he stands pat again, and now there's no waiver deadline to be like, oh, you know what? I probably should have sold before. Now I'm going to sell and kind of make up for it. Now he, he can't do that. It, it's over and yeah, done and with, and we're stuck. Yeah, what gets me is the number of guys who obviously aren't going to be here next year and to do yeah. nothing with any of them. That's nothing a great with point. any of them. You know, like we've talked ad nauseum about – should they have traded Harper when they could have gotten a haul for him? Should they have traded Rendon when things looked bad last year? Like, obviously, in retrospect, they won the damn World Series, so no. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always this question. But with these guys, these are people who are – we're not resigning these guys. We're not picking up – probably we're not picking up Eaton's option. We're, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they'll – maybe Kendrick will be back. I think he's due, like – what's he do like $4 million next year? Maybe, yeah. but he's 38. Like, does he come back? You know, Esdrubal Cabrera is not coming back. You know, too little, I hate to even bring it up, is, you know, his he's he's got a fastball only and it's 90 miles an hour. Yeah, like, let's be realistic here. Even. He's not coming back. Suzuki's and not coming back. Yeah. Suzuki's not coming back. You had all these assets that you're not going to get a haul for him, but you could have gotten something. And when all these guys are gone next year, we have nothing to show for it and one of the worst farm systems in baseball and a team at 12 and 20 that is not going to the playoffs, even in a year with hugely expanded playoffs. It's the one year I feel like you could have sold with a little bit less of a freak out from the fan base. Absolutely. Because it, you, you had this opportunity here with the oldest roster in baseball, a million expiring contracts and a crappy year where the team looks terrible and crappy farm system too. a crappy farm system. And you could have done something to improve that. And instead you did absolutely nothing. And what we're going to do is just 
play the last 30 games, keep losing two-thirds of them, and not make the playoffs and have nothing to show for it. Yeah, well, and exactly. also, it's a seller's market. Like, the the expanded playoffs, what we saw, like, even the Marlins went for it. Like, there weren't that many teams selling, so every team that sold got back great pieces. Like, the Red yeah. Sox sold off, like, good but not, like, they're just good average ball players. Mm-hmm. They got, like, new they basically got three top five prospects in the farm system now granted their farm system sucked so that's not saying much but still that's great that they now have their farm system exactly it's retooling and i bet actually yeah perfect example and the red sox are going to be very good next year because all their starting pitchers are going to be back and they're going to have extra fire in their farm system they've literally done it twice in the last 15 years after like to win a world series we just saw the Yankees do it. Like retooling, people get so mad when you say that because you're like, you can't. Literally, retooling is you punt for one year, you go get a couple big people in free agency, and you're right back where you're supposed to be. Because like Soto, Trey, Robles, Garcia is looking pretty solid. You add JT Real Muto, you add another bat in there with your rotation. You add a pitcher because you're gonna have to. That's a good team again. Like mm-hmm. Strauss and Corbin, and but you could sell off some of the pieces. They're not anything to write home about. Like Michael A. Taylor, a lot of teams would take him as a exactly. like bench bat. You know what I mean? Even though I don't know why, but we won't go there. Um, but, well, no, he's he's a defensive center fielder. He is. Got, he's a defensive center fielder, we, and they, we, we saw you've got a lot of pieces. Cabrera, people would take. You know, Kendrick. For, uh, everybody doesn't want to talk about Kendrick because we all I'll, love him. I'll talk. But about Kendrick it. is Kendrick <laughs> is somebody you could have gotten something back for. You know, absolutely. He's, you know, these are these was... are guys who had value to a team that's trying to make a playoff push right now. And if um, we're gonna be realistic, the Nats are not making a playoff push right now. Yeah, like I, I don't. I stepped away to get water, so I don't know if you mentioned this, but there was a report Saturday night that the Nats had offers for. Uh, Kendrick. Kendrick, Thames, Suzuki, Cabrera, and others, yeah. and the Nats said no to all of them. And we're probably going to find out what those were, and they're probably pretty good offers, like we found out in the past. And it sucks. Like it does suck because it's all going to be for nothing when we don't make the playoffs, and well, we then have nothing to show for any of that, and we didn't make the playoffs anyway. It'll be for I nothing when Thames walks in free agency, Suzuki and Kendrick retire, and Cabrera probably all retire, and you could trade them for something like. Right, and the the Red Sox are honestly a perfect example. I mean, as Ryan pointed out, they've done this twice in the past, you know, I guess decade, and they've won the World Series because of it. And, I mean, it definitely contributed to it, I I should say. So the fact that the Nats did nothing is – I mean, you have the blueprint blueprint in front of you how to, you know, come off from a World Series, not meet expectations, retool – figure things out and then you're back where you want to be in a year or two like you had the the, the blueprint you had the plans right in front of you and they didn't do it and you had the perfect opportunity this year to yeah, do it you you had carte blanche you could operate you could be buyers the fans for the most part prefer you be sellers but just do something we'll be happy and they did nothing and the yeah. example the example i keep using amanda you said like the the trade options we had weren't anything to write home about which they weren't but the example I, I've been giving is we got Tanner Rainey for Tanner Roark. Like yeah. Tanner Roark, he had one year left at the time we traded him, and he was a solid pitcher. He had some good years. I mean, one, the a bad year, he was coming off a bad year at the time we traded him, but it wasn't anything sexy. It wasn't anything like a, a big news, breaking news, Tanner Roark mm-hmm. dealt 
or anything like that. But we managed to get a very, very, what ended up being a very good piece for him. Right, a couple of years down the road. Right, exactly. And there's no reason we couldn't have got Howie Kendrick. Yeah, what about Sanchez? Sanchez was a, right. is an option like Sanchez that. Sanchez won't be back. And he's got, what, a $12 million option next year? They're not picking that up. Come no, on. No shot. And, like, with Howie Kendrick in particular, I guarantee you there's at least 10 teams that would have paid up for Howie Kendrick. Yep. Howie Kendrick Agreed. is a super, super valuable bench bat for a World Series contender, and any team would have traded for him. The Dodgers probably would have even added him, and the Dodgers don't need any more bats. Not that they can no. improve, but, like, any team would have paid for him. And I get, like, he means a lot. He's going to be a Nats legend forever, regardless of how, you know, he didn't have the length as a Nat as some others did. But his his legacy as a Nat is solidified. Like, I understand. Right. And he's want... not going to be back next year, and right. he's 37 under... years old. And right. I understand gotta... you want him to, like, finish his career with the Nats. But, like, you got to make the best baseball move. And it's not anything personal against Howie. Like, and Howie's a pro. He understands that. He's played for, you know, six different teams. He understands the business, and yep. there, there can't be feelings involved through all this. It, everything's got to be a business decision when it comes to the trade deadline, and the Nats made the worst business decision possible. Yeah, they? and from a broader perspective, the fact that the Nats are a team that's built around starting pitching, and our starting pitching ERA is a, a, a full run a higher right now than the than the bullpen, which hasn't been all that stellar. So. I just I look at the Nats and I think okay this team's built around starting pitching our starting you know Strasburg's hurt Sanchez hasn't been good both and Fetty are not what we were hoping they were going to be I mean this year they don't have starting pitching and the rest of the team can't carry this club without the starting pitching and that's fine like we won the World Series last year I like the sting is out of it for me a lot mm-hmm. truly like we're normally I'm like living and dying with every game this year i'm right. kind of just like you know what the, the the world series uh honeymoon is in full effect like i'm sure. fine if they had if they had sold a bunch of pieces to try to retool i really think that that's what they needed to do but i i look at this and think unless they make some moves to shore up that starting pitching and i don't really know how they do that they got a whole lot of money invested in their in their big three you know, I don't know. I'm a little depressed about the direction, especially now that they did nothing and missed this opportunity to to stock up the farm system. Because with so much money invested in the in the big three pitchers, you need cheap young talent. You mm-hmm. can't just go out on the open too. market, right? You can't just go out and get free agents when your payroll is so bloated already with your starting pitching. And like the the way you're gonna win that way is to have all your money in that and then get cheap pieces. And if you don't go out and get the cheap pieces when you have the opportunity, what the hell are you even doing? And, and that's uh, like what we would would have expected if they bought. Like if they you know traded ended up did or did end up trading Keyboom. If they got someone like a Whit Merrifield back, like, yeah, Whit Merrifield's not the youngest. He's not a spring chicken, but he's in his prime right now, and he fits the quote-unquote window the Nats have right now based on your, the age of your starting pitcher. Strasburg and Scherzer, yeah. Right, you, based on the age of your starting pitching, which this team is built around, and that would have been fine because he's controllable and he, he fits this team's timeline. But now there's no question – the, the arrow is pointing down for the Nats. Like, there, there's no question about it. It's going to take, you know, even longer to retool or, God forbid, even full rebuild before the Nats are really gearing up again. Because, again, like you guys said, 
a lot of money invested in the starting pitching and we have no farm system, no assets to, to work with as far as trade. So it's going to take even longer to, to get this ship corrected. And Ryan making a lot of nice points tonight. I mean, the, the Red Sox sold off everything, but guess what? Next year, they're going to get Chris Sale back. They're going to get other pieces back and they're going to be right back to contending. And I mean, it's not like the Red Sox are accepting mediocrity or, a lack of success, they know damn well what they're doing. And the Nats just, they screwed themselves. Yeah. So not a fan, not a fan of this trade deadline. I think it's nope. safe to <laughs> safe Me to either. say. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit and um, talk a little bit about looking at the halfway point of the 2020 season, what the Nats did and <clears throat> this past off season, you know, post world series win. So there's um, a nice list here of the moves. I'm going to go one at a time and get you guys to give me a quick hit on your thoughts at this point. Resigning Hudson. Um, I give that a B plus. He's been pretty solid. He's had like one or two rough outings, but that's a reliever. I give him a B plus for that move. Yeah, I'll give it a B plus as well, uh, especially, I mean, it looked high, benefit of hindsight, but it looks phenomenal after you, like Will Harris was quote unquote, the, you know, prize addition to the bullpen in the offseason and Hudson was kind of thought of as a, as a secondary piece but it turns out Hudson has been you know the best part of a bullpen addition we we've had so that that one ended up being pretty clutch yeah I'm gonna go a minus on this because I think we talked maybe right after the World Series or right as we were kind of gearing up for the new season and said he's a guy who's maybe a prime candidate for a regression and I don't think we've really yeah. seen that so yeah, I'm going to give that but, one in it. I mean, you can just talk Maybe it up. Maybe a little to, bit, but he's been very solid to, and reliable. Yeah, you can talk it up to COVID, too. It's not even really anything performance-related. Yeah, when you see the number of pitchers who are not right. performing up to their normal standards, it's hard to really give anybody Fault a – Fault a guy, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> signed Eric Thames. So <laughs> that, that option, I feel like, is going to get just dropped so quick. Um, he gets a big fat like F. He he was signed to hit bombs. He hasn't. He has six extra base hits this season. And literally, his his whole job literally was just to be a power bat in the middle of the lineup. Don't care about his average. Don't care about now that he's struggling. His job was just to hit, just just a slug. That's all you gotta do. He's not. He has one home run, like five doubles. Big fat F for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give it a D. Um, only because we needed a lefty power bat to platoon with Zim and we Rizzo or whoever went out and got one. So you got to give some credit there, but it just did not pan out or has not panned out even close to what we expected or had hoped. I mean, there's a line somewhere where you would have been like disappointed, but you would have taken it and Thames is well below that so far. Like he's just not providing us anything right now. And it looks even worse that you don't have Zim to platoon with him. I mean, shocker that not having Zim makes you look even worse. Usually not having Zim makes you look better. But, uh, yeah, Thames just not not great. Yeah, if we were giving – if we're grading Thames, then it's a big F- minus because he's just not been giving us anything. I don't, you know, maybe he – I'm sure he's a terrific human. But, oh, absolutely. Um, as far as as far as performance, it's just been absolutely dreadful. Right? So um, if it's the move itself, though, if we're grading Rizzo or grading the Nats, I- I'm going to go. I'm going to go like a, a, a C minus. I mean, he wasn't 
you you know you expected him to hit for a lot more power than what we're seeing but i think that the impulse was good like you said you need to go out and get a lefty bat to platoon with zim and then COVID happens we zim's not here you're basically you know putting the guy out where he needs to play close to every day and he's obviously not up to the task yeah okay next one is re-signing Esdrubal cabrera He's kind of doing just what you expect. Um, he's kind of slumped down a little bit lately. That's just kind of expected um, with someone in their mid to late 30s as a player, especially going through a season like this. I'll give him a nice B um, just because he just does what he does. Like, it's weird. He, like, got DFA'd. You know, he had, like, 75 RBIs at the yeah, time. I'm just yeah, that was so up. weird. But really didn't, you decide weird. To, didn't you decide to hate him for no reason yeah, this it's, year? Yeah, it's funny. I completely forgot I did that. And then, like, but you're going to be nice. For this. I'm, be, I'm being yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I completely forgot I did that. And, like, haven't had a problem with him this year. He's doing what he does. He's just hitting the ball. He's playing, you know, three positions, playing fine defense. So I'll give him a B. I'm a, I'm a tough grader. Yeah, I'll give him a B as well, just because I didn't like this move in when it happened. It didn't make much sense to me, and like Hudson, I thought he was a prime candidate for aggression. But it was kind of interesting at the time we got him. He was batting like 250, you know, like um, in the teens and home runs, and he had like 74, 75 RBIs, which not that RBI. Respectable. Yeah, not that RBIs are the best stat, but you look at that, you're like, why the heck was this guy released not once but twice? Like, that that doesn't make much sense. And we got him, and he ended up playing a good part, and he's been playing good baseball. Um, like Ryan said, this is kind of what you just expect from him. It's nothing flashy, but he's he's a ball player. And but, hell, yeah, you need, you need those guys. You need yeah. the not flashy but a solid guy. And yeah, for me, I mean, I'm going to give this, this a team. B plus to an A minus because I wonder in retrospect if – the team didn't know that maybe Keyboom wasn't ready. He wasn't going to be up to the task and that they needed a guy like Cabrera who was not going to be flashy or, you know, knock your socks off, but he was going to be a solid option Should for them if Keyboom didn't if Keyboom didn't pan out. Do you know what I mean? And think yeah. where would we be with if Keyboom if what we had right now was Keyboom and we didn't have Cabrera. Yeah. Yeah, so. he, he, but same thing, though. We should have traded him. Well, yeah. True. Okay. Uh, signing Castro. Um, Probably my highest grade on this list, honestly. Uh, kind of sucks he got hurt, but before he got hurt, he was, the, he was the only guy hitting. Like, statistically, he was the best hitter on the team. Soto wasn't back yet. Trey was still down the dumps. Eaton was struggling, still is. Um, no one was hitting but him. And it was kind of weird. You know, you're like, why is Starling Castro batting third? Oh, wait, he's the only good hitter on this team. Um, so I'll give him an A. He'll be back next year. Yeah, he has one more year. He yes, has one more year, year, yeah. I'll give him an A um, just because he was hitting and playing fine defense. Just overall doing well for his value. Who's whistling? Not me. I actually can't whistle. <laughs> um, no, I- I'll agree. Like, like a B, B plus. I mean, it, it's hard to grade just because obviously he got injured and to this point in his career, he's really played 150 games plus every single season. So it's just, again, obviously not what you expected and it's not just what broken wrist. I mean, stuff yeah. happens like, but 
um, it is what it is. He'll be back next year, and hopefully he'll do the same thing, you know, be a consistent hitter, not flashy, just a good ball player. This team desperately needs that. So, yeah, I'll give it a B, B plus, and uh, a lot of that will hinge on how he looks next year. I'm going to go A minus on this one. He was he was good. He was fine. He wasn't amazing or anything, but, you know, you didn't expect amazing. That wasn't – I think he was as advertised, and that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Will Harris. Um, so at the time, they gave a three-year deal to a 35-year-old vet, um, reliever. Rather risky at the time. Uh, statistically, though, it just should have panned out. He got hurt. He struggled. He's back now. He's pitching better, but it's not like who he has been. Um, I'll give him a C just because it's the first year of three, and I'll give him some slack because of the injury, because of the whole weird offseason and everything with COVID. So I'll give him a C just for that and hope he gets a lot better in year two and three. Yeah, I'll give him a C plus, and the the bump up is similar to what uh, I talked about with Thames. Like we we needed bullpen help. We needed reliable, serviceable arms. Nothing flashy, just serviceable arms that we can plug in and count on. You know, three outs here and there. Like if you have a, a mid three ZRA, hell, we'll take that. And Hudson or not Hudson, uh, Harris. Harris. Harris had, you know, a, a phenomenal season last year. And naturally, you expect some regression. Obviously, he's not going to have a sub-2 ERA every single year. But like Ryan said, you cut him some slack because he's been injured and, you know, shortened season, all that stuff. And I'll, I'll cut him some slack or cut the Nats or Rizzo, whoever are grading some slack, because they did go out and get a top reliever available. And, you know, there's some extenuating circumstances that have led to the performance not being what you wanted or hoped it would be. Um, so I'll say C plus, but again, it hinges on what he looks like in the next two years of this deal. Yeah, I'm going to go, I guess, again, with this, like, are we grading Harris or are we grading the move? I think if we're grading the move, I would go like, and I'd give the move an A. You said you, you go out and you get a good serviceable reliever, which we really needed. But Harris himself, I'd go like C minus. I had I had really high hopes. Yeah. They have not they have not panned out. And I know some of it is this weird COVID season and some of it is the injury and all that. So, you know, C is average, so I'm gonna give him a C minus, which is just barely below average and hope that his grade improves as as we go on. Yeah, I mean it's still passing. Right, exactly. Okay, um Howie Kendrick. Howie gets just a Howie. That's my grade I'm giving him. He's just doing what Howie does. He had a weird hamstring thing that they kind of just didn't want to acknowledge even <laughs> existed, which is really weird. Everyone's like, where's Howie? And they're like, who's that? Um, I just give him a, just giving him a Howie. He's hitting. His OPS is a little lower than normal, but he's just getting on base, doing what Howie does. So he gets a Howie from me. I love me some Howie Kendrick. I have that his gold jersey. You know, he provided me with arguably the best moment in my life. Um, so, are you I, talking I, about the one in LA or the or the right, two of the best moments in my in life? Because right. those are both pretty good. Arguably the best in-person moment of my life. Um, I, I, I love the guy to death, and it just helps helps ease my conscience that he's like Ryan said, he's doing what how he does still, even at mm-hmm. age thirty-seven, however old he is. Um, we needed him. He he's a calming presence. I'll, I'll, I just feel like I'll never get mad if I see Howie Kendrick in our lineup. 
And nope. That's a good. Honestly, feeling the to man have. can do no wrong to me. I don't even care. Right. Uh, it's like, a very good feeling to have. So I can't give him anything less than an A. I'm usually really excitable about the Nats and about all my teams. You know, I get super pissy when I don't like the lineup or I don't like what's going on with Kendrick. I'm always just like, eh, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, whatever. Like, Let him pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. That like seriously, that man could do no wrong in my eyes. He's yeah. he's probably not going to be here. I, I doubt they're going to bring him back. Well, it's a four million dollar he's due next year. I mean, like maybe they bring with, him back. With the, but with the DH, there's a, a higher a possibility. possibility. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens, but yeah, he gets he gets an A no matter what. I don't care if he's not hit. I don't care what he's doing. He always gets an A in my book. Agreed. <laughs> All right, um, Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes is doing. What everyone, well, not everyone, what the Nats thought he was going to be when they signed him. Um, he's putting up numbers right now that are very, very similar to when he was an all-star. He had an 11-game hit streak that no one really talked about. That no, un- unfortunately came to an end. Um, he's got an 830 OPS, which for a catcher is extremely rare. Um, he's having a really good year. And no one's yes. really, really talking about it. Um, I love me some Jan Gomes. Um, Jan Gomes is the best catcher in MLB history, so for that, I'm giving him an A+. Plus. All right. There you go. Um, okay, Finnegan. F. I'm just kidding. No, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I didn't get my grade for Jan Gomes oh, yet. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Um, uh, no, Ryan put a great lay, especially with Suzuki. Like, I mean, he's getting up there. He's been fine. But you needed someone to pair with Suzuki. Suzuki couldn't be your only one. So a move had to be made. I will give it an A because he's been good. But also the way the move was made, you know, they declined the option and then brought him back, added an additional year for less money. The way it was done was very professional, very smart, and is turning out uh, a good product on the field. So I think it's an A for Gomes. Give it a, an A minus on the move, and I'll give Gums a, a B plus. Like I say, he's having a good year right now. Um, a lot better than last year, which you know, funny we won the World Series, but he just you know consistently wasn't what you expected you were going to get when when he came to the team. Mm-hmm. But he seems good, and like you said, Suzuki Suzuki's been pretty good right now too. He's doing fine. I mean, I think they had like a combined twenty game hit streak. I heard Dave or Charlie say on the radio yesterday. Something like that. Um, which was pretty cool for the catcher spot because uh, as we know who are longtime Nats fans that there have been some years where Oof. the pitchers the catcher spot has just been a black hole Jesus so, Flores. oh don't say that don't say those words out <laughs> loud anyway um yeah so I I guess yeah B B plus he's been he's been fine he's been good mm-hmm. all right um so now we'll do Finnegan uh I mean Finnegan's been fine uh, been pretty good. I don't want to rush to any sort of grade or judgment, good or bad, on him, just because I feel like it's I haven't seen early. a lot. Um, but so far, so good. So I tentatively give it a B because he's looking good, or cautiously give it a B. Um, but so far, so good. Just keep doing what you're doing. I like it. Yeah, again, I don't feel like it's really possible to give a grade yet. It just feels like an, I'm going to give it an incomplete. Yeah, something like that, like DNF did not finish or something like right, that. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. 
He's, he seems fine. But like I have, I like my my hopes are high. He seems like he's he's starting to develop, which is good. So in a year like this, where the team's not very good, and you know, again, we've talked a million times about let's let's see what we've got in some of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll, we'll let him play, see what we got. Yeah, that's all you can do in a season like this, especially now that you're 12 and 20. Just see what you and got. Didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Yeah, <laughs> even more insult to injury. Ryan, are you playing a video game, or do you have any thoughts on Finnegan? I can't remember the last time the guy pitched, so no. Saturday, he's uh, he's a one three eight ERA. I don't know what his whip is. I try to um, oh, yeah, he's got the long hair. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, Ryan, nice. you, Ryan, you made the show doc. Yeah, I know, and I literally <laughs> made it. I was like, I can't remember who this guy is. Um, he's, got, he's got nice lettuce, so I'll give him an A just off of that. I like it. That's it. I like it too. Sometimes Which sidebar? Gotta, sidebar. You gotta go outside the box. Sidebar. I meant to say this at the top of the show, but uh, so when quarantine happened, I did you know the Britney Spears shave your head thing because obviously all oh. the, the the barbers were closed, so I couldn't get a haircut. So I was like, I'll just shave it, not have to deal with it. Well, that was you know early April. I have not cut my hair since, so it's been almost five months. The hair's getting long, fellas, ladies and gents. Uh, we're getting some nice flow going. A little bit of ways to go, but we're getting some nice lettuce going. So I just had to brag a little bit. All right. Well, I think you need to send us a picture to the to the group text. So oh no, I'm hideous. So all right. Oh, we have a new addition to the show doc here. Uh, the re-signing of, of one Mr. Steven Strasburg. It's. I, I wanted to add this one just because, particularly Ryan. I know we've talked about Strasburg a little bit, um, but obviously since we're grading the offseason acquisitions, um, it seemed fitting since that was our our big one. We, in theory, we let Rendon go and resign Strasburg, even though Rendon didn't want to be here. Um, we let him go in the sense that we didn't tackle him as his way out the door. <laughs> Basically, we didn't throw <laughs> all the money at him. Um, my take on Strasburg, love the guy to death, similar to Howie, the guy can do no wrong. He's, he's lived up to everything and more. But at the time of the contract, it, it was a very dangerous thing to do. Guy with injury histories, particularly arm injury history, um, older guy, and a seven-year deal. It, it was tough to swallow, but because it was Steven Strasburg, it, it was allowable. However, we talked about the deal itself being an old-fashioned deal like like we would see in the mid 2000s, the early 2010s, where, you know, you give a guy seven years, but you're really expecting the primary production out of the first three or four, and you're accepting what you get out of the last three, like we compared to Worth, which was a prime example. The first couple of years, he was great. The last four or five years, it was tough to watch. Albatross. Yeah, it was very tough to watch. And I don't want to ever have that view of Steven Strasburg, and I pray I don't. I pray in five years when he's struggling to get through an inning that I remember 2019 and, and all the great he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, you expected 2020, regardless of 162 games or 60 games, you expected to get something out of Strauss for 2020, and you're not. So that's another year of what you expected to be prime production taken away. So it gives me cause for concern yeah i think we're going to have to all keep a copy of the improbable documentary on our phones so that 
you know, three or four years from now when there's Just something terrible ourselves. happening, we could be like, okay, I'm going to need to turn this off for a moment during the inning break and watch a little few minutes of improbable to make myself love him again. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like when I, we were bashing worth like two years ago, whenever the last year on the team was, everyone's like, oh, but he hit that home run that one time in, tw- in game four of the NLDS. It's like, that was 2012. <laughs> like, yeah. it, I mean, that was years ago. So, uh, but granted, Strasburg has won the World Series. So it's a little bit different than hitting a walk-off home run in an NLDS game. So, right. It is different, but it is, I it is actually though eye-opening to think about. Like in yeah. that moment, you're like, oh my God, I love Jason Worth so much. And then a few years right. later, you're like, I can't you know, oh this. my I God, I don't want team. this. Yeah, get him off the field. And it's it's hard, you know, we were just talking about it with the trade stuff. Like you can't let your emotions get too involved in it. And that's always the hardest thing about sports is you love these guys. You watch their careers and you, you watch them play every day and, you know, you follow them and you pay attention and, and you kind of follow up with them. And then eventually they just don't have it anymore. And you, you know, it becomes like this, at least for me, it becomes this sort of tug of war of, you know, you love your team and you want your team to do well, but you also love these guys and do little is a perfect example right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard to watch him struggle because you like him so much. But you know, I mean, if we're all being honest with ourselves, if his name's not Doolittle, he's not on this team anymore. For real, for sure. And yeah, so I don't know where we're going with that. Except I'm sad that Sean Doolittle can't pitch right now. Yeah, Ryan, any thoughts? No, I mean, I don't get too much into it, um, but. I'm a very analytical person, and the analytics uh, kind of suggests that this contract is going to be an absolute nightmare, which I don't want it to be because I like Strauss. Um, yep. have his jersey. think he's a great guy. But the analytics show that I think it's eight years post-Tommy John, you change. And that once you hit the eight-year mark, it's a slow, slow decline. Um, and I think about 40% of the pitchers after eight years plus four years retire. And there's a really good analytical article I can share with you guys. It's got p-value in there. It's got 95% confidence interval. It's very analytical. Um, just basically about how pitchers fare eight plus years after Tommy John. Um, it's not great. Hopefully, I mean, there's obviously outliers to every single thing in the world. Sure. Hopefully that's Strauss. Yeah, I was going to say, so. don't send me that because I'd rather Yeah, don't denial. send me that either, please. <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and ignorance is bliss this yeah. situation. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a quick uh, second to talk about our second half predictions, outlook, thoughts. <clears throat> what do you guys see happening for the, the last month of the season? So the Nats have 28 games left. Um, they play seven against Philly, eight with Atlanta, five with Miami, four with Tampa, and then four against the New York Mets. We talked about how they need to win 18 to 19 games. Looking at that. I'll see how that math works. I, I, don't, see, I don't see 18 wins in that, to be honest with you. Um, I just feel like it's going to be a really rough second half. And everyone keeps pointing to, like, oh, they're 19 to 31 and they turn it around. You guys said this last year. There's a big difference between an injured team struggling with 130 games left to go compared to a completely healthy team struggling with less than 30 games left. Like, read the writing on the wall. Like, I get it. Like, you're still living that World Series high. Mm-hmm. But, like, this team just isn't fun to watch right now. Like, the starting pitching is 
not very good outside of Strauss and Corbin. Um, Sanchez, yeah, excuse me. Um, Sanchez has one good start this year. He started so last year. Hopefully, he can start turning it around. Trey and Soto are both putting together MVP caliber years. They're exciting to watch. It's cool to see Garcia. The rest of the roster, it's not very fun to watch. They're just not a fun team to watch right now. And, like, I tweeted this out, but they're literally the equivalent to that team and your slow-pitch softball league that just like, oh, man, it's just like the glory days in high school. We still got it, and they don't got it anymore. It's just it's just tough to watch. Yeah, yeah well, I think that um, leaving runners stranded on base is the funnest thing in the world to watch, <laughs> and so I'm enjoying this immensely. That's I think I nice saw this stat. It was like 21 straight innings. They stranded someone on base. Oh yeah, but didn't – I think Trey tonight, even in this other dismal loss, Trey, I think, extended his hitting streak to 16 games. So – and if I'm remembering correctly, I heard something. It was the last game or the one before that he had hit in eight straight games, and I think tonight made it nine. So he set a new franchise record for – you know, or consecutive at-bats, consecutive at-bats with a hit. So yeah. I can't remember if he extended that or not, but it was just pretty cool. So there's some neat, like, individual things going on, you know, that's fun. But as an overall, like, it's just, yeah, I watch the games, and by the fourth inning, I'm just like, oh, God, I don't even want to watch the rest of this. <laughs> Which Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, what to expect. Um, knowing the Nats, knowing the Nats, they are going to go 7-11 and 11 in their next, what, 18 games? to get them to 19 and 31 again and Twitter is going to lose their minds. Even and though like mathematically it will be impossible. Mathematically for them to make the we won't make the playoffs, but they're gonna lose their goddamn minds because we're 19 and 31 again. And they're gonna be like, oh if we played a full full season we would have made the playoffs. No. Because that would have happened no. again. No, like <laughs> going 19 and 31 is not the <laughs> the the That's not blueprint. the magic trick. That's right, not that, the way yeah. you do it. That's not the <laughs> ideal scenario or a scenario to do it all. Last year, you know, it was an injured team that got healthy and, you know, they relied on their starting pitching and had the best three, four hitters in the lineup or three, four combo in the, in, in the league. Um, and they got it right. And last year was not a fluke. I mean, the Nats fans love saying like best team since May 24th or whatever it was. And that was sustained and legitimate. But just because we're, you know, we start off bad one year and turn around does not mean we're going to turn it around every single yeah. year we start off bad. Um, but yeah, remember us talking about like they're not going to go six, they're not going to play six hundred baseball the rest of the season no, and make the no playoffs, shot. and they they freaking did, which was great. But we don't have that kind of time no. this season, and they also aren't an injured team that needs to get healthy. They're just a not very good team right now unfortunately so let's all predict that they're not going to make the playoffs just like last year and I mean, then maybe I, the magic juju will happen and they'll make the playoffs I to predicted make us all look it, stupid even before the playoffs were expanded i predicted that they weren't going to make the playoffs so yeah but then say. you said when they expanded them that they would well in my defense on paper the nats are like at least not this bad they're not this bad yeah top 50 percent team like you would think but they're in fifth place in the NL East right now, and that includes the Marlins and Mets. So not great. Hey, we're not the worst. The Pirates are worse, right? I think oh, we have the yeah, second worst record. That's who we want to compare ourselves to. <laughs> we are not the worst. We are not the worst. You know what the season feels like to me? And it's ironic Hell? because uh, <laughs> it's ironic because obviously we're not 
at the games. We're not allowed to go to the games. But you know the um, – for me, it always happened, obviously, in September when the season's ending. You know you're not going to make the playoffs. And you kind of – you go to what you know is going to be your last game of the season. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, damn, like – Baseball's over. Got to Yeah, that feeling sucks. Yeah, but that's how I feel right now. And I mm-hmm. guess like they didn't make it make the playoffs in 2018, so it shouldn't like be this far gone. But I guess just because of the high of the World Series, now yeah, like the, the idea playoffs, that we get no playoff baseball after right, the high of like, the World Series, it, it just sucks. it's hitting me again. Even though I, I haven't been to a game in over a year, it's just like or no, I guess October. But like you know what I'm saying, right? Almost a year. Like, it's just hitting me again. It's like, damn, man. Like, we're not getting – like, baseball season's going to be over. Like, I remember insane. at the um, – I remember at the wild card game when they were losing, you know, I think it was the seventh inning or so, and I was just sitting there in my seat just watching the game and thinking to myself, I can't believe this is it. I can't believe yeah, we exactly. don't get any more baseball. I was, like, so depressed. And, right. you know, then – events occurred that made me feel better but i don't know i don't i don't see that happening this year and i hope i'm wrong just like i said last year i don't think they're gonna make the playoffs but i hope i'm wrong but um i just don't see how it works i mean there's there's 28 games to go and this team is not a team that looks like they're going to compete enough and even if let's say they did make the playoffs they get they squeak in as the eight seed like this team's not going anywhere in the playoffs yeah they're not and like like i said last year like yes they were the wild card team in you know brave fans whoever will love to say it's a fluke but that success was sustained over months and months right we were the best team in baseball over you know a three four month span so that was not a fluke that success was sustained so yeah if they squeak into the playoffs i don't see them getting yeah would just be us you know us squeaking in someone else faltering down the stretch and not squeaking in, but I don't think we stand a chance at all. I mean, yeah, we're essentially the same team as last year, but you take away Rendon, you take away Strauss, who are arguably our right. two best players in the, the World Series. Right, who is so, our best hitter and the World Series MVP pitcher. Right. So, <laughs> so I don't even know that you can call it. Other than that, we're perfectly the, the essentially same. Essentially the same, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what do we got left? Twitter questions. Twitter questions. At Luis Garcia, I always love that he listens to our podcast. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, after standing Pat at the deadline, would you let Rizzo walk? This is interesting because we kind so, of described standing Pat at the deadline as a response to his lack of a contract. But do you think it would be something that they would hold against him? So we all know that Nats fans are a little soft. Um, <laughs> Nats fans give players, coaches, everyone a lot more leeway than most markets do, and so does the media. We have a very, very soft media. Um, I remember, like, when Matt, the peak of Matt Williams, when this team was falling apart, um, they are like, oh, Matt, you know, really tough loss out there. Um, you had three players fight in the locker room tonight, but um, – what do you what do you think about having for dinner? Like our media is soft as hell. Yeah. So my question is, if the Nats had a normal media or a tougher fan base, would Rizzo be viewed the same way, or would Rizzo be like, oh, you can't let him go? Because like he's had an ownership that's let him have a top five payroll pretty much every year since 2013 or 2014. Um, couldn't win the playoff series until last year. We've seen GMs get fired for a lot less. We've seen GMs get fired directly after winning a World Series. If we didn't have this soft of like a media and following everything, 
would Rizzo be viewed differently? It's an interesting question. Definitely interesting question. Um, like, if this was Boston or New York, oh, they'd be calling for that man to be fired within the day. I was going to bring up – so I've seen the clips on Twitter. I don't know his name, but it's like the – I believe the Phillies are on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, like, that's their primary broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. But they have the one post-game guy who's essentially what, like, Bo Porter is to us, and he just rips the Phillies after Every single lot. And, like, the Phillies' bullpen has been even worse than our bullpen was last year. And after every single loss, every single meltdown, he just ripped into the Phillies. He said something about Santa Claus. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was hilarious. You should go look it up. But, like, that's I think that's what Ryan's kind of getting at. Like, we don't have any – like, Natchek is the only thing that goes against, like, the Nats, right? Like, we don't have anyone – from the media ripping into the decisions or lack thereof that people like Rizzo or anyone else is doing. Like if anything, it's, it's like someone saying, Oh, I didn't agree with this, but the, 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 and there's always like a, but in there, like, yeah, we need I, don't know. I to... generally feel okay about Rizzo. Like, I think this year I'm really frustrated with the not doing anything, but generally speaking, I feel like Rizzo does he, a pretty he... good job point but, being he he deserves another contract he he's yes. done enough to, to warrant another contract if you only want to do two or three years that's fine but he deserves another contract yeah and i but i also feel like would they like to, to ryan's question would they would he be looked at differently i don't know if he would be looked at differently but when i see people call for a gm's head because a team can't win a playoff series like at some point you put the roster together and those guys got to perform right I guess so, but you know, you put a roster together that's capable of it, and they just don't do it. Like that's not the GM's fault. I mean, who uh, who gets the players? Who it's, then? It's it, the it GM's fault. Is. If it, yeah, but if I don't like, like the coach blaming or the GM blaming. Like what? at some point, okay, I, I would say I see what you're saying, but what you're saying is also direct impact on the GM. Like the GM should get better players in the playoffs. The GM should just get better players in general. If you want to win, like you, you see what I'm saying? Like, well, see, all, all the you Dodgers, can do with the GM is get players who are capable of it or have the numbers well, yeah, to make it your, seem like it can work, but you can't job. know who's going to perform in the clutch or so who's going to do it say in because there's stats for that. Like there's literally <laughs> stats that quantify that. Right, but guys don't always do what their stats say. I mean, no, like but the career averages Young Gomes last like, year is a great Eric example. Thames really isn't that good. Everyone overhyped him because he has massive biceps. Like, yes, that's true. He's not if good. I see the words thick describing him one more time, for Christ's sake. I was just going to say, if it's like a one-year thing, like you put all these pieces together to fill spots and they don't perform for one year, yeah, you can like – that might not all be on the GM because he's trying to, to put a team together and it might not pan out. But if it's over, you know, two, three, four years uh, yeah. not performing, then, it, then it's 110% on the GM. But, like, Gomes, I think, is a great example. Like, Gomes last year was – everybody's going, what the hell? This guy was an all-star the year before. Like, what's going on here? Like, you sign a guy that you expect to perform like an all-star, and he just doesn't. I mean, that's not – to me, that's one of those things where you can look at it – you can look at the back of the baseball card or look at the last couple of years and say, this is what I expect from this guy, and it just doesn't always happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a case-by-case basis. Like, as we see with Gomes now, he, he's kind of reverting back to what we thought we were getting initially. So mm-hmm. you can just chalk that up to the player last year. But had Gomes been struggling again this year, well, then you kind of look at Rizzo being like, not only did we trade for this guy, we re-signed this guy too. That oh, one would be yeah. on Rizzo. 
Yep, that's true because the resigning is a different situation. Yeah. All right. Next question from at Monsta says, "What the f?" <laughs> yes. An excellent yes. question, sir. An excellent <laughs> question. Well thought out, articulate. I like it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Got no answers for you. <laughs> uh, we'll just move on. Um, at kill out, kill out says, why won't the Nationals give me Whit Merrifield? Because they hate happiness, Kai. They hate it. You know, Kai, some people just want to watch the world burn. Some men. Oh, some that, men but, just want to watch the world oh, burn. Oh, damn. It is some men. I was trying to do my best Michael Caine impersonation, but... Oh, keep going. Don't stop. Oh, yeah. It's not great. I suck at impersonations. I'm really, really bad. Well... Luckily, we have Cameo, so if we need any impersonations <laughs> done, we can get that taken care of. All right, we get another question from Kai here. How do you see the next three to four years for the Nationals going? Big names coming or going? We kind of um, talked about this a little. Not a lot of big names coming. It's going to be a lot of people going. Winter is coming. I don't know that we won't see any big names come. I still think they well, might. No, no, let's, 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 let's look at the facts I here. I okay? don't think we do. But so, go ahead. The learners are 110% this offseason not going to do much, and they're going to blame the COVID losses, um, which they're a mid-market team. It could be impacting them. I mean, it's impacting to a degree. It's impacting everyone. Probably not the extent they're going to say. I feel like they're going to hammer on that as an excuse. Um, and then in, I believe, 2022 or 2023, the deferred money kicks in. And, yes, it doesn't count against your tax, but it's still money you have to pay. So that's $15 million to, Stra uh, to Max. Strauss has some deferred money coming in. Corbin has some deferred money coming in. And there's a couple of years when they're paying about $50 million to guys who aren't on the team. That's going to impact your payroll. It doesn't go to your tax, but it's still $50 million coming out of the learner's pockets. And that's going to have a huge impact on them. And I feel like we're about to see a change with the Nats. We talked about it. a shift is happening here. While I do think they will be good in 2021, after that, don't really know. I, yeah, I and this is really another reason it. why this this trade deadline, not selling off your expiring contracts to load up on young guys, was really, really stupid. Yep. Because you have these years coming up where you're going to have massive money going out that's not even really payroll because it's not guys that are on your team anymore. and that is going to impact the way the learners feel about how much money they want to spend on the guys who are on the team. And so you could have loaded up on young controllable guys when you had the chance and you did. So boo, boo this trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, this trade deadline was so freaking crucial. I mean, we, we've talked about it enough at this point, but so crucial to determine the next, you know, one, two, three years from that. The only way I, They'll they'll still be competitive. You 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 put the big three out there. They're going to win ball games. So they're going to be, you know, a at worst a seventy win team, like at worst, like that if that that's their floor with the big three healthy. Um, the only yeah, way, but for how many more years? I mean, right, Scherzer's right, and that that's a fair point. The only way I really see it going turning around is that you have to get rid of some money. You just have to. You have so much invested, like Ryan pointed out, to the big three. And to do that, you have to trade somebody. So I, I understand, like, Nats fans, they love their guys, especially more so now after the World Series win. But that's just the way things work. Like, we've seen guys spend, you know, entire careers with one team, 
and then they get traded like at some point like it just doesn't make sense to have them around anymore whether it, uh, financially yeah. and they're gonna the have to pay Trey pretty soon too and that's what i was well, gonna Trey's say not gonna get that much money so that's not gonna be, have to no be but he's gonna get a lot more than he's getting now right but like yeah at some point you have to trade somebody and it's like do they you know nut up and trade max and accept the huge package he would get nope uh, i bet you if they trade anybody it'd be corbin yeah i was gonna say corbin's probably the most likely but he after this year what he sells four years left Mm -hmm. that makes him a very valuable trade piece but it's also kind of hard to gauge his value i feel like it this is just my my opinion obviously there's no stats or anything it's easier to gauge a accurate trade value when someone has one to two years remaining than if someone has you know three Three or four four. or Mm -hmm. more like i mean because you don't know what you're going to get in those far out years just look at adam eaton he had five years of control, which sounded like a great thing, but three and a half of those years have been absolutely miserable, and we gave up a king's ransom for him. So it, it, not that we can't trade Corbin with four years or, or three years on his deal. It's just going to be hard to get a, a trade value, whereas someone like Max, you know what you're going to get. He only has one, two years, whatever left. You're going One to after this, right? Yeah, uh, I guess that's true you're going to get something nice for him. So, but like Ryan said, I think they're going to be competitive in 2021. So I don't see them paying. Yeah. So, you know, analytics be damned. I don't want Max to go anywhere. He needs to retire in that. (laughs) I don't care. I know that that's not smart, but I don't, I don't care. At this point. Yeah. Max uh is my favorite player. Like you can't trade Max. I'm sorry. I can't, I I won't allow it. You can. No, you you can't. (laughs) I won't allow it. I would be, I don't even want to know what I would be. Not not cool. I would be not nice at all if I did that. Um, nice. Do you want new owners from at Don Kedix? Yes. I hate the learners. I hate the learners too, um, but I'm being there nice. There are worse owners. So. Yeah, I'm being nice this episode. Yeah. They're literally our worst owners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, also they're our all, best. They're, they're our definitely worst owners. You could have the Wilpons running your team. Or yeah. run the pirates, you know, and they couldn't even spell your name. Right, you, know, you don't and, know. And like the like Ryan just said, the, the learners have allowed Rizzo to operate with a top five um, budget or whatever in baseball for the better half of a decade. So yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely could be worse. Like I, I would drive myself, I would go insane if I was a fan of someone like the Indians or the. Well, the A's are kind of fun to watch. Uh, I guess like the Indians or a team that just doesn't spend money and mm-hmm. operates every year at like a $60 million payroll. Like yep. that would drive me insane. So It would have, drive me nuts too. We have been kind of spoiled with the learners, you know, shelling out money. So it could be worse, but I'm also at the same time not exactly happy with it. Yeah, the I have my gripes with the learners, but I don't feel like I want new owners. It, there are way worse owners in the league and they're willing to spend money and I don't always like all the decisions that they make, but it's, it's not my money. So, all right. We have one more from at Alex 27 N who says, nice, nice, nice. All right. That's a nice way to end it. <laughs> let's, let's end it with our one big takeaway from the week. Uh, Nick, start us off. Nothing, you know, breaking news, nothing, uh, you know, fancy, no hot takes or anything. But my one big takeaway is 
MLB and sports just in general are so much more fun, exciting, enjoyable, all the above when the fringe teams make a push. We saw the Padres go all in, but even someone like the Blue Jays. I mean, I would love for someone else to be part of the year. Wait, what? Ryan? For someone else to be what? I think he forgot to mute himself. Um, Uh, But but baseball is so much better when, like, the fringe teams, like the Blue Jays, for example, they're in the eighth spot right now, or at least they were the last time I checked, and they're actively making multiple moves, not just one, but multiple moves. I mean, hell, even the Marlins, who are just vying for a playoff spot just to say they made the playoffs, they're making huge, huge moves. I mean, baseball so much more exciting when these fringe teams are actively making a push, which to my takeaway last week about the expanded playoffs being good for baseball – this is just one, you know, consequence of that. You see the fringe teams trying to make the playoffs in an expanded mm-hmm. playoffs. They're making moves. I mean, how many trade lo- deadlines have we lived through where it's, oh, what are the Yankees going to do? What are the Red Sox going to do? Oh, no, the Dodgers just traded for Manny Machado. Like, and those teams did not dominate the trade deadline this year. And no. the trade deadline was still awesome. Like, it was still Yeah, awesome. it was fun. But, you know, it just occurred to me, if expanded playoffs, are good for baseball the answer to the Nats problem is they just need to expand the playoffs a little bit more <laughs> yeah so, so we can get in can we just have like 10 per <laughs> we'd probably make it then maybe maybe probably, a little bit more. probably let's maybe let's say let's say 14 14, 15 per 15. Four, no 14 will be good 14 will be good. as long as the pirates are in the NL we'll be good <laughs> Uh, Ryan, what's your one big takeaway for the week? Um, my one big takeaway, except for I um, muted the wrong mic when I went back to Call of Duty. Um, yeah, I'm always a party leader. I don't be party leader anymore. Um, uh, sorry, hold on. I'm I'm getting a phone call right now. <laughs> oh my god! Good lord. Um, it's late. All right, we've been doing this for a while, man. People need me. I'm getting another phone call. It's true. Um, I've gotten like five phone calls since we've been on here, and it's like eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, leave me the hell alone, people. Oh, Good me Lord. too. I, I've gotten phone calls too. I'm so we're so popular. <laughs> so, my one big takeaway for I meet myself forever um, is that Trey Turner is finally playing like the player we all thought he was. Yes, and it's so much fun to watch. So nice it's to see. It's so much fun, and I just wonder if he can sustain it because I feel like we've seen flashes of this from him in prior years, but he's never been able to sustain it. So I am every year. It's this is the year well, he takes it to the next level. I saw oh. a stat over his last 162 games. He's slashing 313, 372, 533, 130 wow. runs, 215 hits, 50 doubles, 8 triples, 28 dingers, 83 RBIs, 41 stolen bases. Holy hell. I'll My take man that. Killing it. Hell I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Tweet that out. People need to know about this. Lots of unprotected sex. Yeah. Seriously, he's got dad power. That's Big what's going on. Power. Big time dad power. All right, well, my one big takeaway is Nats-related, which is just that um, we all, I think everybody, I still see people on Twitter who are, you know, like, oh, it's it's early, there's still time, blah, blah, blah. Like, we need to accept that um, 
that this year is not the Nats year. <laughs> I just need to talk. I'm talking to all of you Nats fans who listen to this podcast. And uh, I had hoped when I first when I was thinking originally, I was thinking about our one big takeaway for the week that it would be on Sunday before the trade deadline. So I thought for sure they would make some moves to, that would be like an acknowledgement of the fact that they weren't going anywhere this year. And they, of course, did not do that. But um, a change is going to come. And um, we just, you know, they're going to need at the end of the season, a lot of the names that we know and love are not going to be here next year. So I don't know. I'm feeling a little melancholy about my nap today. Enjoy it while it, or what's the saying? Uh, don't be sorry. It's over. Just be glad that it happened. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, Very profound. I have, I have nice one, advice. I have one thing nice. to add. Uh-huh. Um, so at Christmas, I got AirPods, so I don't really use these headphones anymore, so I'm wearing my Beats right now. Um, I used to wear these things in the gym, and I just smelt them, and I smelled <laughs> so Jesus bad. Christ, what's wrong with you? I just wanted to share that, that I just got so smelling my this is the kind of this is the kind of content people come here for. We started out talking about, what was it? What was the some kind of intestinal distress at the top of the show? And now we're ending it with stinky headphones. So. Oh, stinky! <laughs> it's a nice way All to end right. it. It's a nice way to end it. You guys got anything else before we go? No. Stay nice, everyone. Yep. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure to download the show wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at AWhite7877. You can follow Nick and Ryan at DCNatShack and at HalfShackCap. You can follow OPT at One Pursuit Takes, Monty at M. Davis Taylor, and the show at Half Street High Heat. Have a great night. Episode Later, 69 us. in the books. Nice. Nice. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're fucking curly W's and everybody
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.